0: And now
1: weighing in out of the blue
0: corner, John the Pong
1: Thompson, 100%. and on the other side he weighs in from the red corner, Big John
0: McCarthy. Nice. That's right. That was a fantastic <laughs> opening. I love that. Beautifully done, there, Podcast Day. Because we don't have a whole lot of fights coming up this week, but we got a lot to talk about. There's some things happening things going on and we're gonna do some of our fan questions and see what the fans want to know about and do we really want to answer them
1: what's up josh i'm waiting for dave to play my music the pog no, there's no reason Josh to. the pog thompson the pog oh man i gotta love the youtube um uh, what is it called the little words on the bottom when they talk
2: the, not the comments, not the. No, words. it's like, no. It's like uh, the. Uh, subtitles. Caption. Closed, closed caption.
1: Closed caption. That's what I was looking at. Subtitles. Oh, Arba, subtitles. Hey. <laughs> <We> want... Subti- <laughs> They're subtitling English. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Without I don't me. speak it, though. <laughs> this <laughs> is true. Joshisms. We've got them all out there. Speaking of Joshisms, we've got some new ones that are up on our <laughs> our uh, com. We've got the hindsight is 50 50. That's a Joshism right there for you. And uh, go ahead and go to wainandpodcast.com pick up one, some of our merch. We also got the hashtag and steel shirt that is new and up there, plus our old OG, OG logo, and all the other logos available in hoodies, crew crewneck, crewnecks, sweatshirts.
0: Sweatshirts.
1: Sweatshirts, right? Not sweaters. Okay, I want to make Not sure we're clear. Sweaters. I got a lot of flack from uh, a couple people that I work with. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know the difference. I really don't care. They're sweaters, care. sweatshirts to keep me warm. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> all right. That's uh way in podcast.com. to thank you guys for supporting us. And also, um, Hey, we got a lot of stuff coming up, John. I know there's no fights this weekend, but there's a lot no. of news that dropped. There's a little bit of drama going on across the world. Oh so, my God. Um, are you all kidding? Those
0: we, we have celebrities hitting celebrities.
1: <laughs> this is so great, but they're also not pressing charges, which is great. Are you?
0: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> oh man. When you but, can get, Hey, uh, this is all I have to say. First off, when you get slapped, bitch slapped, by the way, bitch slap, gangster slapped <laughs> yes. in front of an entire audience oh, plus man. a national television audience no. and you don't press charges or anything
1: like that. Chris Rock, you're all right, dude, bro. He uh, John, I don't even know what to say. He handled it like a true professional. He trained like a man. He did. He did. Nope. All right. Well, before we get into too much of any of that other stuff, Tobe, too. Also, we have a link down below in the descriptions there. You guys can check that out. Click that link. That'll take you to our Wayne and Extras channel. Go there. We also launch a show there called Wayne Interjection. We actually are going to start calling it Five Rounds because we give you guys five rounds of back and forth between John and I where I actually bloody him up. 10 normally is how I destroy him. And that's how we handle that show. So it's a uh, five-round brawl where I just it. Can I I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Yes
0: this fantasy world that you live in <laughs> nobody i mean I, john. I want i want to know
1: where's the entrance and where's the exit i mean
0: does it stop or is it just
1: continue? No, it just it kind of just spins in my head a little bit between my ears and that's really it's like a whirlwind in there because there's nothing I'm really sure blocking that, it from i'm flowing. sure there's a whole lot of wind in there yeah it's a whole lot of wind in there and i'm okay with that john and it's, it I doesn't bother me at all that's I good mean, Dave. you know but uh, yeah, so make sure you guys click that description. That'll take you to our Winning and Extras channel. We do a special show there, which we're going to start calling Five Rounds, just for you guys. We give you guys, five, we give you guys five answers to these five real great questions that Dave puts together. Sometimes there's a featured video as well that we react to, so a reaction video, as well as a couple games. We, we call play. it Fetar. 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 But it's just a fun little show that we do, so click that link down below. Hit the subscribe button. We want to thank you guys for supporting us. Let's get started on this show let's get into some news all right
2: let's get into some news and then by the way so we are not reacting really uh, in detail to the Will Smith Chris Rock thing here we are going to do that on wing interjection nice. uh, on <laughs> tomorrow so um so make sure you guys watch that show tomorrow so that you can see the true reaction to the actual <laughs> video playing in real time with Big John and Josh all wait? right first story UFC 275 is official for June in Singapore uh, UFC is going to Asia um, and we have two title fights we have um, uh, Glover Teixeira versus Prochaska, Yuri! Shivchenko versus Santos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have Weka versus Vittoria as well.
1: Well, John, we got the final four coming up. There's no fights this weekend because they didn't want to compete with the final four. You got some blue bloods. A couple of the blue bloods are in there. Kentucky didn't get to the big show, but you got Villanova versus Kansas. You've got... University of North Carolina versus Duke. It doesn't get much more blue blood than that, and I got to tell you right now, if you guys go to mybookie.ag, use that little QR code right there, Okay, we will give you a little bit of extra spending cash at mybookie.ag with the promo code In Final four is this weekend. It's going to be fun. I cannot wait to watch this go down. There's no fights. So that means that John and I can't give you our predictions, but John... If I'm gonna sit here and tell you, Villanova versus Kansas, who you got? Number one versus number two.
0: I got Kansas.
1: You got Kansas. I got Kansas, Kansas playing lights out. Also, yes, too right are. now, they are on fire. Let's and talk about I'm North Carolina. Duke. I want Duke. T- <laughs> oh, because Coach Kosevski's. It could be potentially could his be last game. Could be it the could end. Could be the end. He's got to get past North Carolina. He's got to play lights out. They've been playing right now. Great. They're playing well. They're playing. They're well. playing well as well. So this is going to be a good final four. I cannot wait to watch. But, hey, go to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code, Weighing In. Use that little QR code right there. It works for your first initial deposit. You'll get some extra cash from us, from the Weighing In podcast. Hopefully you guys win some money. And best of luck at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code, Weighing In. That's a good card. That is a good card. You know what's surprising me, though, John, is that that not that they're allowed to go there, but I'm surprised that one doesn't have enough pool over there to keep them out of there. You would think, right? Like that's kind of their, that's their home base. That's where they do all of their work. That's where their biggest draw is. I mean, I worked with them for years for a couple of years and their biggest draw. I mean, they would do 14 to 15,000 people in the arena every single time they went to Singapore. At least every time I worked there, they did the show there. I, they would packed arenas, you know, and, um, I'm surprised that, because when you let them come, it's almost like you don't know if those people are going to continue to come to another show. But the one thing the UFC has always done really well, and we have continued to say this, they never go to the same venue more than maybe once a year, if that. I mean, they do Vegas Vegas. because Vegas, yeah, Vegas is a hot spot. Basically, everyone wants to go to Vegas to party. And if there's a UFC there or they schedule it around a UFC, that's kind of how they do it. Um outside of that, though, they very rarely go to the same location more than once a year. It's almost once every two or three years. Yeah. And that's They've, they've done Which a great smart. job. It yeah. makes it special. It makes it to where the
0: fans go, hey, I got to go this time because they're not going to be back for over a year.
1: Yeah. So I want to
0: go. And that's very smart marketing. Great job.
1: Yep. Nicely done by them. Um, but I'm I, like I said, I'm very surprised because you would think that one would have that, that space locked down. But that might also be above their, above. Like, yeah. It might be a government thing, you know, where they say this is what we know, do. Don't, don't think comedy. that,
0: uh, as we would say, dirty pool is not played all the time in these types of situations. Yeah. And we know of times that it's been played, you know. At, it's up to one if they, you know, they can just look and go, hey, you know what, come here. We know it's going to cost you a lot of money to come here, come here. What's it going to do? It's not going to do anything yeah. to our business. Maybe, maybe it will, you know, but you yeah. know, one puts on a great show it's a different show though it's a different show overall than what the ufc's is yeah because yes it does have mma but they also you know they do the the tie boxing they do the mixed matches they do all kinds of different things as far as you know like Grapp- the mixed grappling match matches all that demetrius grappling matches so you know they, they have a, a different fan base in a lot of ways you know obviously some are the same but you know it's competition competition's good
1: I've always felt that the way. The I way. look at it. Yeah, I've always felt that way. <clears throat> I think it's better to, it makes it makes uh, it makes it it better, I think, for everyone to see what the difference is between the two promotions or whatever it is, but it also helps build different fan base. And if they liked one, who's to say they're not going to end up going to the next? Yep. <clears throat> if somebody likes it, one, maybe they'll go to the UFC. And if someone likes the UFC, maybe they'll start going to that other promotion That's to it. go to one or yeah. any other organization. So, no, I agree. Um, but overall, it's a good card. It's a really good card. And then when Dave was saying, hey, they're going to Asia, <clears throat> Singapore is a very different atmosphere than majority of like other countries that are in Asia. Asia it ha- yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just different. Um, and so th- th- it does not surprise me whatsoever that they're, they're going there, especially during this time, you know, with what's going on over in, in that side of the world, <clears throat> or near that side of the world, I should say. Um, uh, but it is um, but it is it's it's a very good card you've got Yuri versus Glover which to me it's gonna be a really tough fight for Glover I think it's gonna be a decent if D, if Glover can kind of do what he did to uh Blachowicz, where he gets an early takedown and start to slow Yuri down a little bit I think I think Glover is one of those fighters that from the top position he really starts to fold people up he really starts to make them work so hard in positions they're not they're not used to. They end up expending more energy than they should. And they start to slow down, start to gas out, start not to have the same pop and explosiveness on the feet. And that's one thing that Glover has learned over the years of how to fight extremely smart in those types of situations. It's in terms of Shevchenko and Santos. I'm I'm, I'm I mean, I, I really did. Come, come John, on. We're, we're at the same bit. You and I think the same way. Tell me, I'm tell me I'm wrong. Am I over? I am I, am, am I overlooking Santos? No, I mean, she's just on a different level than, um, than any than the, the, any one twenty five pounder in the world.
0: Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Look, right now, she sits at a level that I just don't see the other uh, fighters in that weight class reaching right now. And it's but you know, it, it, all it takes is her to have an off night, supposed to have a good night, and you know, it, it it changes things up and it makes it to where yeah, it could be a great fight. I just look at right now with everybody that faces her, it's hard for you to go. Yeah, this is a, this is going to be an even match. Yeah, it's not. Chevchenko always always the the person that she's got the advantages in the
1: fight. Yeah, when they bring out, I'm interested to see what the odds are going to be, or if they've already been out. What the odds will be on this fight? <clears throat> I would say plus nine hundred and above. I mean, minus, sorry, minus nine or above. <laughs> it's a, yeah, minus nine or above, you know. Yeah. You know, and if
0: you're, it, when you're the UFC, this is a good problem and it's a bad problem. It really is. It's tough yeah. because you can have where people start to, you know, there's people that want to watch Valentina fight. They just want to watch her. I'm one of them because she she's so technically good and fun to watch. And then you're going to find some people say, ah, I know she's going to win. I really don't care now. And it's a shame that you know. And I th- I think Demetrius, you know, when he was the flyweight champion, there people kind of got that way with him. Yeah, uh, he's he's gonna win. And it's like, how can you not watch him? And it's the same with her. How can you not watch her? She's that good. She's that talented. And you never know what she's gonna come up with next and how she's gonna pull something out. You know, she's she's someone that you,
1: in my opinion, if you miss her fight, you're a fool. Yeah, you know what it is, John, is that these type of fighters, they need to become heels. Yeah. Because yeah, then maybe. then people want to see them lose. And then they can. tune in every single time to watch them lose. DJ was the same way. He couldn't become a heel. He was just yeah. too nice of a guy. Yeah. Her uh, Shevchenko's the same way. GSP was kind of the same way. But his no. matches... They they were close. Some of them were close. Some of them, you know, with the Matt Sarah situation where he lost. But then after that, then some of his fights even after that were really close. He started wrestling a little bit more, started grinding people out. But his matches towards the end of his career, I wouldn't, that lag in between the three years or whatever it was. But those matches at 170, they started to get close with Johnny Hendrix, with Lawler, or was Lawler? No, Johnny Hendrix, nope, nope. those fights. Those fights. Johnny started to Hendricks, get closer. Carlos
0: Condit, Nick Diaz.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Carlos Condit one. Memory got dropped, I think, in the oh, fourth, dropped with I the believe. Head kick. Yeah. yeah. So some of those fights started to get close. So people started tuning in more to see if he was gonna lose. But it's hard because they're not heels. People don't tune in with Mayweather. People tune in all the time to watch him lose. They yep. cared more about watching him lose or seeing if he'd get dropped or seeing if something bad they could talk about. That's yep. why they tuned in to watch Mayweather. They, not a lot of people were fans of Mayweather's. They thought he was super talented. Everyone thought he was really damn good, but he played the heel really well. You know, um, I think a little bit of that's going on right now with Connor as well. So there's certain fighters that play the heel really well. They're super they were really good and explosive and and very talented, but with these two, with DJ and with Shevchenko, they're just not hills. They're good people. Like They're yeah, it's, extremely, it's extremely nice.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, the fight that's to me, I think is probably the most exciting to me on this fight, though, like you said, is the Whitaker and the Vittori fight.
0: I think it's a great matchup. I
1: think it's a great matchup. Marvin
0: Vittori is just a dog, man. He comes to fight. He's got a good gas tank. He's very similar in some ways to Whitaker in some areas. He can fight anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's strong. Whitaker's strong. I think Whitaker may be a little faster than Marvin, but it's a good matchup. And Marvin Vittoria will fight anybody. That's one of the things I like about him. He just goes in there, and, man. He, he puts it on the line, goes after his opponent, and where,
1: how it comes out, where it falls, it does, but he's never going to back off of you. Well, he proved that when he fought Paul Acosta when Paul Costa started changing the rules as they got closer to the fight and all of a sudden he didn't you. make way. And he's like, look, I'll fight you at 205. And just started. that lets you know right there what kind of person he is. And not the, just in terms of a fighter, but just a, a person, personality himself. Like, no, no, I don't care. You're not going to run from me. I'm going to fight you at any weight that I need to fight you at. And that's what he did. So for me, him and, him and Whitaker, this is going to be a great fight. The two of them together in that cage, I think that Whitaker's going to sprawl and brawl. I could see him potentially getting in the top position as well, maybe getting a takedown if he needed to. But, I mean, I really look at him sprawling and brawling, keeping it on the feet. I think Vittori's going to keep it on the feet a little bit, but I think he will for sure try to threaten those takedowns a little will. bit more.
0: no doubt about
1: it. Yeah. <clears throat> That'll keep uh, Whitaker time. honest with his hands and his feet, a little bit less kicking probably from him, but it'll keep his hands and his feet loyal to the – to his defense and make it a little bit easier for Vittori to potentially land cleaner shots on for himself. Real
0: real question with this, I wonder if they're going to change the time in Singapore when they start the show, or if they're gonna have it where it comes Ooh. out here early in the morning.
2: Ooh.
1: Interesting. It's a pay per view. Two title shots or two title, it should be a pay-per-view. Yeah, if it's, it's
0: imagine, if it's right? pay per view, then you I know pay-per-view. it's gonna be altered
1: there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine they maybe would start at, say, at noon here. No way. Not on a pay per view. No. Not on a pay per view. So you're saying I don't in think the evening. So. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Who knows? All right. But hey, overall, though, that's shaping up to be a good card. I want to see good what card. the rest of the card would look like. But those three fights right there are definitely worth it. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Glover fan. So, and I like Whitaker and I like Vittoria as well. Yuri is just fun to watch because he's just wild and crazy. You know, and Shevchenko is just a just shevchenko is just a, a master in the cage absolute master see i don't mind, I so, don't mind um, calling her a master there certain fighters, <laughs> ah, there's certain I, fighters that are I, a request i, I know where that i show. know where that's going <laughs> <clears throat> yeah anyways
2: so like it's, uh 7 p.m pacific time josh um which is a standard like pay-per-view start mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. is 10 a.m the next day in Singapore, no. so could they? Could they? Would they do like a m- like a morning show over there to have it? Yeah, Yep. Yes, they, they would. There. All right, next. All right. All right, next story. Um, Davidson Figueroa though, um yeah. doesn't want the fourth fight with Brad Moreno because he's saying he's basically put out a message to Dana you know, White saying I don't want the fourth fight because uh, he was racist towards me. Um and called him a monkey base. He's saying he called him a monkey, but then put a picture of a monkey over his face as well. And he thinks that's racist. And he's saying that basically he wants a uh, Kaikara France instead.
1: Go ahead. You can have this one. <laughs> I read Moreno's response. I guess his friend was flipping through um, those little emoji things that go over your face, whatever the filters are. And, he put it over Figueroa's face, and the monkey came up, and they screenshotted it, and they they posted it. Like they, I I'm not I I didn't even think of it being racist. I thought of it as being like I I, I didn't even know where to go with it, John. I'm wow. <laughs> We are struggling. I really believe this is someone who doesn't want to fight Moreno for a fourth time. Which honestly, I believe I understand I agree why. With that. I understand why. Whether it's a hard fight to, to prepare for, he got, you know, he beat him the, the the last time. It's it's one of those fight he's someone you want he wants to get another big time paycheck in between. If he does lose to Moreno, there won't be a fifth fight for a while. He's like, "Let me get a check in between which fights Kai Carr Frost, because now when you're the champ, you get that championship money." Whatever his contract is, I believe. It's normally when you are the champion <clears throat> You get favored, obviously, a little bit more. You get first, you know, first class or business class airline tickets. You get two hotel rooms, sometimes three, or you get a full suite. There's a lot of things that come along with it. Little perks, little extra bonus uh, in terms of your per diem. You get flying it, flown out a couple more corners. Little things that go a long way. Yep. Okay, and... And I would say, obviously, majority of the time you end up getting pay-per-view numbers. You end up getting a certain amount of money guaranteed if you're the if you're the main event. If you're the main event, you'll end up getting another $50,000 or $100,000 bonus in some of the contracts. It really depends on what your contract states. So not every contract is the same. So I want to make sure that this is clear. Look, I'm just simply saying there are things that come along attached with being the champ when you're defending the title. All right. And if that's the case, he knows that Moreno is a different breed than I think Kai Carr France. I think Kai is an absolute stud. I think he will be a hard fight for Figueredo, but there is ways for Figueredo to win, just like there's ways for Kai Carr France to win. But I True. think he wants to get paid for a different opponent, which kind of is, I guess, for me, if you're already prepared for Moreno, you know how to fight him, just stay bright, stay riding that. You can get the same amount of money fighting Moreno for that. But he, I think he thinks that Moreno is probably the tougher fight. All of that stuff being said, I don't think this is a racist situation at all. And the way he feels about it it, it, it feels it feels like there's something else that he doesn't want to prepare for him, or he doesn't want to get ready for him, or whatever reason. This this is not a this is not a race situation, John. I don't see nah, it that way at all. I, I, look, at, there's
0: I cannot stand racism. I hate it. I think it's a despicable, disgusting thing. But I don't think that's what occurred here. I'm just being honest now. He can take it and he can feel like he has been uh, disparaged in some way by what Brandon put out. But, you know, I don't think Brandon is a racist in any way. And I I do think that sometimes after you fought someone multiple times in a row, you need a change. And so I can understand him saying, hey, just give me a change. Push Moreno off a fight. Oh, let, let me have Kai Car Francis. He's coming off of two big wins, and I want to I want to show everyone that he isn't even close. That's the kind of thing you should do. Don't 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 bring in the the ugly stuff because there's no there's no room for it.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I look at it. I guess I can look at it now that you just brought that up. If I had to have fought Gilbert three times in a row, it's tough. D- just knowing there's that's three wars in a row. Yep. Give me somebody that changes it. it. Gives me a different look. It gives, makes me Excuse feel you. like. It may not be as a tough a fight, but I think Kai will be a tough fight. It just it's something different. I, I can now that you pointed that out, I can I kind of see your way. I can kind of start to understand what you're talking about because, if, like I said, if I had to fight Gil three times in a row, I'd be like, "Damn, talk about talk about years off my life." You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like-
0: well, it, and you can't. It it almost starts to get to the point where it becomes stagnant. It's the same thing, and it's nice to have. You know, no matter what it is. If you do a job and it's the same thing and you're doing the same movement over and over and over, it'll drive you crazy. Well, same thing, preparing for a fight, preparing for a fighter. And now you're doing that same fighter, you know, four times in a row, it can get stagnant. So yeah. it's, you know, you, it's good to bring life into to change things up, Give get get it so you have a motivation towards something and then, then bring back the other thing. That's, I think that's what he wants. And, uh. I don't blame him and I don't think it's a it's too much to ask. You know, especially with the way that Kaikara has had in his last two fights. He's had two great wins. It's a good person to put in there. And then if you have the only the only thing you can look at is if you're the UFC, you could say we don't want to we don't want to lose that yeah rematch. That's the difference.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> but the last fight it wasn't as good as the first one. I liked it. I, I thought it was no, good. Look, no, the the, 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 the first wrong. couple, I the first was one good. was awesome.
0: The second one was, uh, uh, look, it was a landslide for Moreno. He dominated. The third one, I thought was a really good fight. I yeah. thought it was different. I thought they both had their moments. I didn't think that Moreno fought. I, th- I think he fought Figueroa in a way that he felt almost like I know how to deal with him. And Figueroa changed some things up and it caused him problems. Yeah. And he did not adjust to those problems and that caused him, you know, to, to make the fight closer and to where he ended up losing. So there's some adjustments that he needs to make if it does go to a fourth fight. But you know, I, I enjoyed the third fight. I thought it was good.
1: I thought it was a good fight as well. I just didn't I didn't think it was as good as the first two. You know, I mean, it was longer, obviously, than the second one, but it was, <laughs> <clears throat> to me, it wasn't as good as the first two. Well,
0: the first one was a barn burner. It was, man. come it on, it was awesome. It was really, really. Good. It's hard. It's hard to reach that and and maintain that type of. That's level. true. Very true. Very true.
1: Um, but I, I get what you're saying. And then for for Moreno, who does he fight in the process of uh, Kai Car France stepping in and fighting Fierro?
0: You know, there's a couple that you could look at and say and i know he, he's coming off of a loss yeah. so is asker Askeroff. Mm. Yeah. put those two together yeah that's Determin a turf fight who's there both coming off a loss one will come out with a win and, and then move on from there but it could be that see this is the type of situation that the ufc is going no we're not going to do yeah. that because we don't want to lose a certain fight so yeah but I also, what... I
1: also see the other, what you were talking about, though. Like, it becomes so stagnant to the point where now the fighter is just going through the motions of having to train for the same person over and over. That they are, that they're exhausted. Like, they're bored. They're in the yeah. gym going, man, it's the same guy. It's the same thing. It's, yep. and fighter, and I speak from experience, is that you need to put someone in front of you that really motivates me. Really okay. motivates you, I mean. Like, Gil motivated me every single time. But there was gaps in between. That motivated me for him i had other fighters that i fought in the process you know in between um <clears throat> but it was it was there was people that you were training for there was there was goals and focuses uh, ahead of that yeah. i think I, I think it would make sense then for them to go ahead and do something like that where they were to give him kai car fronts you know and you know or or have figgy sit out for a little bit and then have kai car France fight moreno i'm okay with that as well that'd yeah, be a they fun fight before yeah it would
0: a fun fight. but i I just look at it i understand i can i can understand why Figueredo would want a different opponent yeah.
2: that's all that's true next all right um fabrizio verdum's basically he pulls out for the pfl tournament this year and then he says he's likely retired um and so his comments are basically about how the Ferreira fight did not interest him a whole lot and um he doesn't want to be in the US for months at a time training. Mm. Um he's been with his family the last year and that's you know he's not motivated. Um he said he would come out of retirement basically for boxing for like one of those big boxing fights that everybody's yeah. doing. But otherwise he's not interested in MMA. Um it would need to be like a world an out of this world offer as he put it mm. to um stop doing what he's doing right now <sighs> and go back into MMA.
1: The time has passed. I mean, it's, it's Fabrizio. Uh, I love you, my man.
0: You are a dynamite individual. You're a great fighter. You had a great run in the UFC. You became the champion. You are not a boxer guy. Don't do that. It is just not who you are. You, know, you lived your life being a guy that everyone was fearful of hitting the ground with. And there was a reason for it. You are fantastic there. As far as stand-up, your stand-up, he he became a adequate stand-up fighter. Did a good job when he would get inside with elbows and knees and stuff. You can't do those in boxing. Don't even. St- stop. Please, don't go to boxing. I like you too much. Ditto. This whole boxing thing has got to <laughs> stop, Josh. There comes a <laughs> point it's really got to stop.
1: Uh, ditto. I agree. I, I just. If you made all your money by submitting people your whole career, don't think you're going to go there and get a big payday. Just get knocked out. It doesn't make sense. You don't. Maybe you will, but at what at what cost? I mean, like you earn. You worked so hard your whole life to to build a reputation and become a UFC reputation. champion Thank to do you. all of these things, right? I mean, and then you're just kind of tearing it down a little bit. I guess. Hey. I mean it's it's not one of those. I am not. I have no interest. I have no interest in seeing him box. I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't pay for it. It's not, you know, And nothing against him. But you want to show me a match with him and maybe Gordon Ryan on the ground? I'll watch that. I'll watch that. You want, yeah, you want to see uh, Yuri Simone's, I'll watch that. You yep. want, to, you know, these guys? I mean, I'll, whatever. Him and even if you put him versus Aoki on the ground, that's something to me. Remember Fedor did something like that with uh, Aoki? I think it was Gengard. Aoki. They no, Ga- well, did it with Gegard. I thought he did one with Aoki though too. Did he do one with? I mean, he might not I'm trying did. to think.
0: I know he did one with. Uh, did one with Gegard. Yeah, he did
2: another one. I mean, Josh, so you're, you're talking about might be Aoki. You're talking about twenty grand versus a million dollars.
1: Wait, What are you talking about?
2: He's talking. D- you're, Dave's you're, talking he's, about he's the difference in price.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I understand. He's, no, I understand that. But do you think that? Do you think that Fedor to do a grappling match against Aoki you got only got paid twenty grand? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, nice a try, buddy. hundred grand? No. A hundred grand? No way. Fader, Fader I don't know wouldn't have gotten that k- in that ring Verdum's for any less getting. than a million.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't b- believe Verdum for a grapple match is going to get a million These guys are making it's two,
1: three $300,000. Gordon Ryan's making hundreds of thousands of dollars to be in grappling tournaments. You know? I mean, he's got sponsors. now. Did you see Rogan sponsoring him for ADCCs? very nice good job joe i love that man job, joe. joe's always been one of those guys man he supports his friends as best he can and you know do what he can to help him make money love that um i don't know i mean i don't know what the market would be for him to do grappling but maybe he just doesn't want to do it anymore maybe he's maybe he got to deal with some issues low back you know that's that's common you know as you get older to deal with the low back issues when it comes yeah to i grappling. think <clears throat> so but yeah these uh, a lot of these grapplers are making some good money yeah so yeah I I have no desire to watch him uh, box.
2: None. Next. All right, Uh, we have a title announcement, a title fight announcement uh, from Bellator with Gegard Mousasi versus Johnny Eblin on June twenty fourth at Bellator two (sighs) eighty two.
1: John, you and I feared this.
2: I knew it was coming.
1: (laughs) Look, I love Johnny Eblin.
0: I think he is a dynamite fighter. I think he's getting better all the time.
1: He's a a diamond. (laughs) Diamond hands. He's diving hands. No, now
0: he's the human cheat code. Human cheat code. But, look, as we we have said with everything, there's levels. And you don't don't understand those levels until all of a sudden they're hitting you in the middle of the face in, in a cage. And it's not just the fight itself. Josh, you know, when you're in that championship fight, Everything becomes different. Everything becomes more difficult. Everything is a press for time. Everything is people now coming at you, wanting things, asking for things. Hey, can you do this? Hey, can I get tickets for this? It's just so many things that build up to make this entire moment not enjoyable, especially when you're not used to it. And then you're going to go in and face a guy It is just a stud, a guy that is just so good everywhere in the cage. His stand up is sharp, his wrestling is good, his ground game is fantastic. This is a tough one because you know at 11 and 0, look at Johnny, one of Johnny's trading partners, you know. That was guard's last, you know, opponent in Austin Vanderford. 11 and 0. He's 11 and 1 now. It didn't last long and it's all of those things. You know, they start building up and then the fight starts and you get hit with one thing and everything starts to fall off. I don't know. I just look at it. I love Johnny Eblen. I'm just not sure that this
1: is the right time for that fight,
0: but he could prove me wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he could prove us both wrong. I think the wrestling will go to him. He's fallen in love a little bit with the stand up a little bit too much, but I think he's going to go back to his wrestling for this fight. But gagar will make him work for every step and every takedown in every position of the scramble in every position and against the fence. All of those things. Now, you and I have sat down with Johnny Ebelin quite a bit, you know, in fighter meetings and really picked his brain. He has definitely matured in the last three, four fights, especially the last two. He yeah. definitely showed his maturity in terms of how he handles it, how he looks at the fight IQ. He's believing what he's doing. He understands he has to utilize his wrestling. He understands how to set up his boxing and his kicking with his wrestling. He's doing a great job at all of those things. He just had a fight with John Salter, whereas Gegard just walked right through John Salter. Johnny was able to touch him, was able to do a lot of good things against John Salter. Had a but good there was fight. moment. Yeah, he did a great job. He dominated the fight from beginning to end. <clears throat> but, John, you and I both speak from experience when it comes to this. You, how many times have you seen a fighter, though, who was on a roll, got to a title shot, lost, and then after that didn't didn't become the same fighter anymore? And that's I, I'm kind of seeing that a little bit with Salter. Salter kind of understood. He's like, that was kind of like my last go for the title. I need to get past John to get myself one more go because he's getting older in age. I didn't see the same John Salter in that Johnny Eblen fight that I saw previously before the gay guard fight. We say it all the time, confidence.
0: Confidence is key to being a winning fighter. It's the belief in yourself, knowing that, you know what, no one can stop me. All these different things in this thought process of I can just continue to press and I'm going to press so much that I finally get through and I break you down. And when it happens time after time after time, you believe in it. Yeah. And then you run into the person it does not work with and things go bad and then you've got to come back from it and now the confidence is broken so now you got to rebuild it and uh it's tough it's tough when you're facing you know the the very best guys that are out there and look, and, gegard Musasi, as a middleweight is no doubt one of the greatest fighters there's ever been in mma
1: yeah yeah, that's without a doubt. There's no way you can't say he's got wins at heavyweight. He's got wins at he's got titles at two hundred five. He's got he's got multiple titles at in at middleweight. middleweight. I mean, he's really damn good, you know. And every fighter that's ever stepped in there with him has been like, you know, all the all the ones that he's walked through or the ones that he's fought have been like, hey, he does a little something different. Just the hip pressure. The control on the feet, the composure, it almost seems like he's not even, he's not winded, he's not pressing himself. You know, I, yeah, I look back at his most recent loss, which was to Lovato Jr. And I really believe the only reason why he lost that fight is he just got a late start because he's someone that sometimes he kind of just flows a little bit too much and he let the fight kind of get, he lost the first two rounds and poured it on in the third round and the fourth round and to the point where i could have even seen maybe the third round being a 10-8 round that's how much he had put it on Lovato well, junior uh but it wasn't and it was you know and it went into the fifth round and in that fifth round he had just kind of went back to just what the first two rounds were of just kind of skating by and not really no sense of urgency he's that type of fighter i think right now but like he said in his in his interviews that we've had with him he has never believed that he was the best fighter in the world. He's like, but as of my last two or three fights, he's like, I believe it now. He's like, I'm the best fighter in the world, and I'm gonna be kind of hard pressed not to say he's not. Like, I look around. Don't be wrong. Those fighters out, John Jones, I think is obviously he's there. Yeah. John Jones is the guy. I mean, like, I look at Gegard, but I'm not gonna take Gegard out of that conversation. You know, John's done it for a longer period of time. The motivation for John at 205 started to dwindle as he talked about. You know, earlier this a uh, couple days ago. You know, and Gegard I think went through some of that as well. You know, trying to stay motivated. Certain fighters do that. They've got they need a goal in front of them. They need they need something to inspire them. They they start to get bored. some not I wouldn't say it's easy, but there's things they need targets in front of them that motivate them. Johnny Eblen said the things that he needed to say for him to get this fight, which I think motivated uh, Gegard a little bit because that's how this fight got put together so fast. It was supposed to be I know there's stuff. But there's I I I've been hearing that if Gegard continues to get these wins, he may end up fighting the winner of the 205 pound tournament. That to me is very, very fun. Like <laughs> Gagar's been the title, the champ at 205 in strike force. He was he's fought at heavyweight. He knows how to handle big guys, especially guys that can wrestle. You know, and so that, that makes for fun. Fight him and Nemkov or him and Corey Anderson, I'll take oh, that yeah. all day long. Hello. Yep. Yep. You know, and so Makes for a fun fight. He is getting a little bit older in age. He's 36. So he's got to dap- gotta make it happen soon. You know, that makes for that makes it even more interesting to me because he knows in that moment at 36 years old, I kind of felt some of my best stuff around that time from 30, you know, even trickled here and there, depending on the <laughs> opponent. But it, you know, but the motivation was there at that time. It was still there. So I'd like to see that fight happen. But I think, I think Johnny's biting off a little bit more, John, than he should. As of right now, now he, like you said, he may prove us wrong he could
0: because like he's getting better all the time and he is a a talented guy and he's got a great coaching staff around him they believe in him and uh they all talk about hey this guy is it so they obviously know they've been there you know dealing with uh him in the gym every day and stuff and we see it it's just sometimes it's those steps and also that next step is just
1: too much yeah We'll find out. This might be one of those situations. Maybe, yeah. Who knows? We'll see. All right, let's next.
2: <clears throat> all right, let's hop into some fan questions. At this point, um, we have a bunch here. Hopefully, try and get through all of these. Uh, so in no particular order. The first one comes from Mario GCGB. Why is it assumed that Kobe Covington is a clear second best in the division? I realize that stylistically he matches up well with Usman, as proven by two fights. However, he has only beaten Masvidal, Woodley, and RDA recently. What do you think of hypothetical matchups with Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, and Vincent, uh, Vicente Luque versus Kobe? I, I thought a couple of, have struck my interest. I think like the unknown is Vicente Luque.
0: Well, I think yeah, you got two that are the, the real questions well, in, in that equation. Well, Chimayev is, I'm not even going with Chimayev because he's, okay. he's got Burns. But Burns has always been the guy that's been sitting there saying, I'll take Colby. Yeah. And not too sure Colby wants that fight because where does Colby want to take the fight? Yeah. You know, Colby uses his wrestling, and that's what gets Colby his wins, and, and he's very good with it. But in taking Gilbert Burns down, boy, you better be putting a whooping on him and being very heady about the submissions that that guy can pull off and how quick he snaps into him. That's a big fight that I would love to see. I'm not sure that it's going to happen. You know, that really will determine, that will be determined by the Chimayev fight. But if Gilbert Burns beats Chimayev, you'll see Colby Covington and Gilbert Burns. Vicente Luque, like you said, that's an interesting fight. The real question is, can Vicente Fight off the wrestling of Colby and keep the fight standing because stand up wise, he's a lot sharper, crisper, more technically proficient than Colby is in the stand up. While, while Colby has the wrestling, and if it hits the ground, not that Vicente is is uh, you know helpless down there, but he's not the submission guy that Gilbert is.
1: No, yeah, the Vicente one is. <clears throat> They kind of to me is he's got a sprawling brawl, keep it on the feet, put some pressure on him, make him fight off of his back foot, make him take takedowns, take make him take shots that would be ill advised. That's how he wins that fight. But Colby though, his his conditioning will be a huge factor when it comes to just wrestling and grinding. If you go back and you look at some of the guys, Cain Velasquez when he fought um Junior the second time, and the same thing with John Fitch when he when he was almost all of his fights, but the one that comes to mind is the roar McDonald fight. If somebody is really good on the feet, don't be ashamed to chase them down basically on your hands and knees and shooting low-level singles, you know, snatching the, the, the single leg, those type of things. And if you lose it, keep chasing after them. Eventually, they're going to get tired of running. They're going to turn a face a little bit, and then you're going to get in on the legs and get the takedowns. Kane did that a couple times in that second fight where he just... In that first round, he ended up almost on his hands and knees, chasing after the leg, trying to keep the ankle. You know, and was able to keep it a couple of times, lost it a couple of times. But that eventually led to just Junior getting tired and exhausted. And then when they did get back to the feet, just came, put his his forehead underneath his chin and controlled where the head pressure was and, and just grinded on him and hung on him, hit him with short little shopping shots and elbows and things like that. John Fitch made a career out of it. Colby is doing a good, doing a great job of being who Colby is. You know, and just continuing to grind on people and push on people and get heavy on their head and, you know, get takedown after takedown and, you know, and do some work from the top position, making them work from every position. Fizente is going to have a hard time with that. Um, but I think he's, it depends on all of his footwork and his movement and all of those things and if he can catch him, He's got the power to start, Colby. Now it's a matter of whether he can do it or not in, in between the transitions, you know, um, in the takedowns. And on top of that, though, every round starts on the feet, and Vicente Luque always comes in in shape. He's ready to go, yep. so that's that's something you got to remember. The Chimaev thing is just—it's a really to me the if he fights Gilbert, I don't know, like Jiu Jitsu great. He's phenomenal. Whoever wins that fight,
0: Gilbert or Chimaev, Colby—that's who your next match is going to be. You think whoever wins? I think it's whoever loses. I don't think so. It could be. You could be right in that Chimaev, if he gets a win against Gilbert, I could see Chimaev yep. being put up against Kamara. But if yep. Gilbert wins, I don't see Gilbert being put up against Kamara again right away. I would see him going against Colby.
1: You know what? You brought up a good point because they will probably jump Chimaev to right to Usman. Yes. You know, but then if it's Gil- if it's Gilbert, they'll make him fight Colby to see who ends up winning. And then that yep. kind of slates the way for Vicente Luque also to kind of jump both of them depending on whoever wins or fight the winner of that fight. Yeah. So is Vicente scheduled for somebody right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got a scheduled fight.
1: Who is he um, fighting? Vicente. Uh, Come on, pull it up, Dave. I can't remember. Vicente Luque. Mm. But I mean, overall, but I agree with you that that fight to me makes sense. Bilal? The Gilbert Melendez of Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad, yeah. Mm. And we're going to find out if he can stop takedowns. That's a fight. <laughs> that's, that's the
0: guy that presses for takedowns right there, too.
1: is going to be chasing after him, trying to get into his grill, trying to push the pace on him. Yep. So that, that maybe that's good preparation for him and Colby. If he gets past Bilal, then he can he get to Colby. That's the next one. I mean, it makes for some interesting matchups, but I do think that if Chamaev does get past Gilbert, they're going to give him right to the title shot. It might be. He'll bypass everyone. Yeah. <clears throat> they can't let that... That's just too, it's too much. There's just, there's too much hype. Too much they, hype they there. Don't let it, don't let it pass by. They can't let it pass by. They can't right. let it slip away. They got to capitalize the on They can.
2: Yep. Next, let's Dave. go. Next one, Dave. All right. Corbin Hopkins asks, typically in MMA, we don't see too many submissions from the bottom anymore. Everyone is taught to try to get back to your feet. Is Paul Craig's jiu-jitsu really world-class or are 205-ers just not that good at it? Also, why don't we see subs from the bottom as much anymore? Love the show.
1: Well, you want my opinion or John's opinion? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be different. <laughs> it's going to be different. Uh, I think a couple things. I think that, you know, being stuck on the bottom chasing submissions, the judging has as of since, I mean, after the whole hoist era kind of thing, the person on bottom was always considered to be losing, you know, unless you were hoist back in the day. It's The game had changed a little bit. If you were on bottom, you're considered to be losing. These guys, now the transitions of being sweaty, they're a lot harder. As stand-up fighters learn to defend, as wrestlers learn to defend submissions, all of these things played a factor in them just attacking and attacking and attacking. They, weren't, they still ended up losing the round because they were getting controlled. The judging, as of recently, has changed a little bit. I feel like the attacks on bottom are getting a little bit more notoriety, no different than the wrestling's not getting as much notoriety is it used to and just the control positioning versus doing damage um but i also believe when you're talking about paul craig he is a different specimen on the ground do i think he's world class i don't think he's world class i do think that 205 pounders just don't train the bot the ground game as much you look at the heavyweights with verdum he was so damn good on the bottom he was good on top as well but he was okay with being on the bottom because he was so good. You want to know why? Because the majority of the jiu-jitsu fighters or majority of the heavyweight fighters didn't train jiu-jitsu. I trained with two that were world champions, DC and Kane. Very rarely did they change jiu-jitsu. They didn't train it like Verdum, I can tell you that. But they did train wrestling to keep themselves from getting to the ground. But when it comes to their jiu-jitsu... They, they didn't train it very often. And when they did, don't get me wrong, they trained it. They did the grappling. But they're training with other heavyweights that didn't train it all that often either. So the attacks are not as, and they're not on the level of someone like a Verdum or a Buchecha or Gordon Ryan or these guys. They're, they're nowhere near that level. And so with Paul Craig in the 205-pound division, I don't think a lot of them in 205 have top-level jitsu So he's obviously not world-class, but he's definitely another level above them
0: i'm gonna switch that around i understand what you're saying by he's not world-class and you're saying he's not a world-class brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner yeah i'm telling you he's a world-class jiu-jitsu mma fighter okay there's i can with that and I there's can, a can... and there's a difference in it in the fact that look at world-class brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners do not have to deal with getting punched in the fucking true. face true Paul Craig does, and he is outstanding at sometimes outstanding. Sometimes he scares the shit out of me. Last <laughs> <Lots of> fight, <laughs> but he's outstanding at dealing with the pressure of someone trying to lay heavy ground and pound on him, and sucking them into his world and setting up the you know look. He he continuously goes to you know the the triangle that is his main setup. Now he'll switch to the arm bars off of it. He'll sw- he'll. He'll go for a plata. You've seen him do all kinds of different things, but his main attacks come off of his setup of the triangles. And he's good at it because he's not just trying to pull you into his triangle, into his guard, into his setup. He's actually attacking you with it. He's coming up towards you with his hips and clamping onto you, pulling you down, keeping you off balance in, in that moment that you need to get yourself safe. He's pulling you into danger. He's good down there. And it is the one thing that, you know, Josh is saying. Guys will practice their jiu-jitsu. But usually when you go to gyms, there's only a couple guys there that are bigger that are actually pretty good at jujitsu. Most of the time, it's the smaller guys. And the smaller guys, no matter what, for the most part, they don't like to roll with the bigger guys because – they get hurt. Let's just be honest. And it's not that the bigger guy's trying to hurt him. It's just the way things, when you're moving and everything. So a lot of guys don't get that time with somebody that is really good off of their back. They'll They'll practice with someone that's okay, has something, but they can't do the setup that Paul Craig does. And when all of a sudden they're down there with him, they're in his world. So
1: he's good. Yeah, when I go back, like I'll go back a little bit on the on the uh Kane and the DC situation. We brought in Bucecho, who came in and trained with them. Their whole goal was to get back to their feet and get away. Yeah. There was never like, okay, hey, let me hit you with the sweep. They're not sweeping him, right? They're just trying to kick him back or they're just trying to get an underhook and get, you know, basically get back up on a technical stand up to get on a front headlock. That's all they're trying to do. They they were able to do that and do that successfully because of their wrestling pedigree. I mean, you're talking about an Olympian, a two-time Olympian, not just an Olympian, two-time Olympian. And Cain Velasquez, who was scrappy, as all hell. He was an just, yeah, he was all American at Arizona State. Like he was no slouch. You know, these guys were no. these guys were good, good wrestlers. Just getting all they really worked was not getting taken down because they were really good wrestlers, but also getting back up to their feet. Very rarely do we see them trying to hit submissions. They'll hit a Kimura here and there, but if they started, that was only from the top position. They're not trying to hit Kimuras from the bottom. They're just trying to kick you back. They're trying to come up on a single leg. They're trying to grab a single leg and stand up with you. That's all they're trying to do. And so with Paul Craig, I don't think there's a lot of people that in his weight class that have, like you, I agree with you, John, that just don't have as many other 205 pounders or heavyweights that are at the level of, say, like a Verdoom or a Paul Craig to train with. You know, and maybe there's one, maybe there's two, but are they in the gym all the time? And are you getting better every single time? I think in the heavier weights, they really need to start specializing, going to a facility that is strictly jujitsu, that has top-level jiu-jitsu. Because when I look around at the guys, guys like Frankie Yeager, guys like GSP, where did they go? John Danaher, to Henzo's. And they look. went out, they went, they drove all the way to New York to train with some of the best. And when you walked into John Danaher's class, because I've been there several times. You were struggling to find a little four by four space or three by three space to fit two people's bodies in to drill. It was insane. I mean, down in the, you know, down in the basement, basically just mat covered in bodies, you know, and so you're just trying to find a location. And it didn't matter what size you were there because they had sizes for everyone. And all these guys were extremely, extremely good and just gave you looks that you would never have seen from somewhere else. And so I I don't like I said, this these he is good. I agree with you, John. He's world-class MMA jujitsu because his jujitsu is very effective in MMA. Yep. Um, I've seen a lot of top level black belts, top level jujitsu guys, nogi guys, you start throwing punches at their face, they're nowhere near the same person. (laughs) No. They are nowhere near. And so that being said, I agree with you. He is that top level guy. Um because he doesn't even move his head when he's getting punched in the face, as we saw in the last (laughs) fight. (laughs) He still got the win. but geez, man, I was driving this crazy, John. Um, But yeah, he is is levels above a lot of the other ones in jiu-jitsu and MMA, especially, I think, in that weight class. And as the heavier guys, it starts to dwindle in terms of the grappling aspect. And I wish that I could see them more on the ground because I love watching the transitions from the wrestling to the jiu-jitsu to the stand-up, all of those things. That's what makes a true MMA fight and that's why I love and I always favor the 170, the 155, the 145 and down below because you get the full aspect of the MMA world. When you start getting to 85, you know, 205 and heavyweight, you start to lose one side or the other. It starts to kind of give me a throwback fight um, to the early days of the UFC, which is usually one guy's really good at stand up, One guy's either really good at grappling, a little bit of wrestling, but it's very rare to find them be a full MMA fighter. Just my, my opinion.
2: Next. Just my Next. All right. Kenny Taco asks, what are your thoughts on the eight fighters in one championship, not making weight, and magically making weight behind closed doors? Can we no longer compare these fighters to American-based promotion fighters?
1: Wait, wait, start that over? Whoa, the one championship stuff? Yep. Okay, I speak from experience when you deal with anything in Japan. It's very similar, I think, in this situation. It is extremely fucking strange that this happens. It happens all the time over there, but it shouldn't happen. It should be out in the open. Let me just, guys, I'll tell you this: I was in Japan for the pride fights. It wasn't my opponent, but it was another guy's opponent there who was fighting another American fighter. The Japanese fighter steps on the scale. None of the media there that was rep- that represented the American media spoke Japanese. They stepped off. They had a little talk in Japanese, and all of a sudden, and and all of a sudden, the guy made weight. But you could tell that they were baffled by the fact that he didn't make weight. They were baffled by the fact that like everyone's like looking around going, did he make weight? Did he not make weight? Because everyone's like, oh, oh!" and they kept moving the scale back and forth. <laughs> but when you look at when, it, when you got like if you we were, uh, it was funny because some of the fighters were actually looking like, hey, that's, that's the same weight class I'm in. But the scale wasn't set the same way because the other fighter got back on and they moved it down. And they're like, oh, yeah, he made weight. And he's like, look, when I left my hotel room, I was a pound. Uh, I was a little bit under. He's like, but not by much. Like, he basically was right on. And he's like, but the scale moved. He's like, his scale moved a lot. They moved it a lot for, for me after I got on. So I've seen it happen several times. And, But let me ask you guys this. John, go back and watch the Nate Diaz and Josh Thompson weigh in. Did you see that? Did you ever see that? Nate Diaz didn't make weight. Joe Silva told me afterwards he didn't make weight. It was too late to go back and talk about it. That's what I was told in the back. Nope, we already agreed it was on. I said, he didn't fucking make weight. He's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I said, look, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I said, I would have taken the fight regardless. I wouldn't have made him cut it either. I'm like, if he can make it, cool. It didn't change the fact that I was fighting. Like It just was one of those things. Yeah. Because you remember the huddle? The huddle with the Coach Nate and then Dana, and then it was like, okay, and then he got back on, nothing changed, but somehow he made the weight. So, don't
0: you do you recall uh, when Nick Diaz fought George St. Pierre and George St. Pierre, all of a sudden, is, there's all the huddling, and all of a sudden, he made weight? Yeah, it's ha- look, it happens. it happens, it shouldn't happen, it should never happen. Yeah, it's wrong, and uh, yeah, all you, as a as a professional fighter. You have a commitment, you sign a contract, you're supposed to make that weight. If you don't make that weight, then there needs to be penalties. I think there should be more penalties than what there is. But uh, the whole thing that's happening with one, look, you know, let's just be honest. Uh, A lot of people do not like athletic commissions, and I can understand why in some some instances. But one of the things that normally they're going to do is they're going to make sure that it's even and that it's taken care of, not always. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but it's the way it's supposed to be, and it should be no matter what. You or a person that is associated with you that you tell people, okay, I want him to watch, you have someone that can watch your opponent weigh in. They see it. They see him stand on the scale. You know, and there's been two. There, how many things have happened on the scale? Let's be honest, D.C. had his one in New York. (laughs) It's like, hey, he cheated. Now, they, at the time, were not smart enough to catch him. Afterwards, they were smart enough, but they blew it. When they were supposed to get it right, they blew it. Now, no one's going to be able to do what D.C. did again, but it happened, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen at times and so you try to take care of it but there's no way that you can take a look at some of the size differences with some of the fighters in one and you you've, you've oh, brought yeah. this up numerous times and it's like yeah you can see it. you can just see it. You can see that difference in the, in the size of the fighters and you go they cannot weigh the same.
1: It's, it just, it seemed like it's physically impossible. Yeah. John, I mean Well, it is. Do you know why, Josh? Cuz it is it physically is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, look, when the history, you guys, you guys, if you guys listen to any former fighters that fought over in Pride, they will tell you that there was some some fucking fuck. Oh, shenanigans! Going on. Yes, whatever oh you want to call it. There's some. There's some some legit, legit fucking foolery going on over there. I mean, I got to be honest, the, the first time I ever fought over there, I fought this guy named Daisuke Sugiye, I think is what his name was, or whatever, they call him the Amazon. Good jiu-jitsu guy. I was supposed to fight him first. I thought it was, what wasn't it Tukase? Is it Tukase? I thought it was Daisuke. Takuse, yeah. D- yeah. Tukase, D- yeah. something like that. So I was supposed to fight him, and the, he, he was the first guy I was scheduled to fight, and then he got hurt. And then I had like three weeks, two weeks out. They gave me like three other fighters. I was supposed to fight this other guy who was like considered the octopus. I don't even know what his name was. And the, another guy. He was considered the octopus. Yeah, they called him the octopus. I think okay. he had a big octopus tattoo on him on his uh, shoulder and stuff. I was supposed to fight him, and then I was supposed to fight somebody else. And then they called me the the Friday before I was supposed to leave. The Friday before, like the Friday before the fight. So like not the day, bef- not the day before, but the week, the week before. I was supposed to leave on that Monday. They called me Friday. Like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to send you, you know, half your purse and the fight's off. Sorry for, you know, sorry for the inconvenience. Too many fighters have fallen off. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> well, what are, what does my dumbass do, John? I go out and party Friday, Saturday night. And they call me on Sunday. Hey, your flight leaves tomorrow. <laughs> the original fighter you were supposed to fight, he's back in. So I show up in Japan ready to fight this guy. This guy steps on the scale. He's fucking shredded, John. Like he's he's ripped yeah. from head to toe. He's just yeah, shredded. All time. Shoulders are huge. Just small waistline. Veins in his stomach. I see this kid step on the scale. I'm like, this dude's been training for eight weeks straight now. Always knowing it was me. Always knew it was me. I've had six opponents in the last two and a half weeks. Yep. Just insane. That's the type of stuff you get that you oh, get that over there. That was Sugi. Yeah, didn't. I say that Daisuke Sugi. 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 Yeah, you got but it. his name. They call him the Amazon. Is what they call. Yeah, him. I know. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I was just laughing because then I saw this guy step they on the knew. scale, and I'm like, "How in the they, hell are you so ripped when that, you were hurt that four fight weeks ago?"
0: Never <laughs> changed for him, but it changed for you. All of, and that, look at that's that's some of the things that they would do. That. I would tell guys going over there all the time. Hey, watch for this, watch for Mm -hmm. this. Don't do this. Don't do this. When they try to do this, tell them, no, I need this. And it's just like at the time people were making more money in pride. So it was a matter of, Hey, I'm going to make more money. I'll go over there. I'll put up with that crap and stuff. And, and it was a grand show and people wanted to be in it and stuff. And, um, but yeah, they they did a lot of underhanded things trying to sway the odds towards their favored sons.
1: Yeah, but when they talk Part about the more game. money, you guys, when they talk about more money, John's not lying. Like that one fight that I had, I made more money in that one fight than I made in all three of my first UFC fights.
0: Well, and it's also not just more money. It's cash.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, it's all, the, it's all cash. Pe- cash the in hand. people
0: all of a sudden never got.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> cash in hand um yeah that's just one of those situ- i'm just giving you a personal experience um from my experience of you know when i was in pride in japan and things like that and dealing with with that with uh, the the organization those organizations mm-hmm. over there yeah. one when i worked with them i didn't see any of the, the the tomfoolery or fuckery going around you know but i did understand that things just they also didn't have they didn't have Demetrius Johnson, they didn't have Eddie Alvarez, they didn't have Sage Orca, they didn't have guys that came over from the UFC that they wanted the to show that they they weren't as good as their fighters. And that sometimes changes how they do things, I would imagine. I don't know. Look, one's a good promotion, they've got great fights. The yeah. the fighters are amazing. Um I don't put any of that in into them. Like they they're, just go in there sm- and do Look at they're
0: they're smaller weight mm-hmm. fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys in the you know one hundred thirty fives and forty
1: five. Unbelievable world-class world-class yeah. hands down and World class
0: tough sons of bitches
1: yeah yep all of them would smash podcast dave All
2: <laughs> <laughs> next Hello. one dave oh, God. All right, from Felipe Gutierrez. Seeing the success Corey Anderson is getting at Bellator, should Curtis Blades fight out his contract and sign with Bellator? They both have similar fighting styles that UFC deemed boring, and I believe Curtis can become heavyweight champion champion in Bellator and make way more money.
0: Um, Curtis has the ability to become heavyweight champion anywhere. He's got a lot of skill. He's that good. He's, he's got good wrestling. He's got good stand-up. He's a smart guy. Curtis Blades is, you know, one fight away from being a champion. Should he leave the UFC? No, not if that's what, you know, the place he wants to be and everything. The one thing that I say with him is I don't believe that Curtis should change his style, change his approach to fighting, a la what a Corey Anderson did for a while. To try to please the promotion and get the fights that you know he wants to get to and you know Corey wanted to get to that championship fight and he was one away from getting there and you know he lost it and he lost it because he became a, a just a pure stand-up fighter and anytime that you are you know in that realm with guys that are really good and you're going to trade shots one of those can catch you and that's what happened that's what happened to Corey against Jan and, you know, the rest is history. And so now you, you, you look at Corey Anderson and you look at the way he's fighting. He's gone back to being the guy who is, you know, his first thing he said after winning his fight, the, his first match in Bellator is he looks in the camera and he just yells, "Grounded bound, right? Mm-hmm. It's because yeah, I'm back to being who I am. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight a different style just to make the promotion happy.
1: Yeah. I think. If Curtis Blades keeps winning, because winning pretty much solves everything. Solves everything. So if he keeps winning, you know, and get him on the right track, he's going to have to fight probably a couple more fights. Look at the history of the guys that had a style like like his. John Fitch. How many wins did he have to rattle off? 11? 10 or 11 in a row? Yeah. You know, for him to get a title shot. And <clears throat> they just don't want to see that. And I get it from a promotional standpoint for the casual fan or the, the, other, you know, the people that they're hoping to to lure in and to buy the pay-per-views if they've seen you fight one time then they've seen you fight every single time because it's a very similar style you know um with with not a whole lot of normally not a lot of finishes cory anderson he's he's i think it's kind of actually helped him because he spent oh. that time learning how to stand and then now now he's learned how to put the two things together and he's become a phenomenal fighter curtis blades I don't suggest he change it because it didn't work for Corey, you know, in certain circumstances. And Curtis stood a little bit too long with Derek Lewis. And those type of things can happen. And anytime you're fighting someone that has the power that Derek Lewis has. yeah. But if you're going to dedicate because you, you want to do a little bit more stand up, like in your last fight, which I 100% think that that's, if you're going to do it, that's the type of fighter you do it against but you could have utilized your wrestling at any moment as well and that I think that's what also helped you land those type of punches because your opponent was probably thinking he's going to wrestle anytime he's going to wrestle anytime he's going to try to take me down that is that split second you need to get in there and his type of athleticism his type of speed his type of wrestling and you know and learning the stand up does not going to hurt you i just think that you need to find you need to make sure that Curtis Blades understands that certain guys, there's a balance. There you go, John. Very good with words. It's finding that balance and just understanding when you got to utilize that wrestling against guys like Derek Lewis and when you can get away with it a little bit more to stand up and then still utilize your wrestling. But a balance is definitely what you need. Yeah. Next. Next
2: Next question from uh, Shaq Kalimes. First of all, I'm a big fan of you two, and thank you uh, and thank you do a great job. Uh John and Josh, what's your thoughts on Rakic and how he will fit in the title picture for 22 and 23? You see any chance for him getting the gold around his waist? Greetings from Austria.
1: Oh, I like first off,
0: thank you very much for listening all the way from Austria and stuff. We appreciate that.
1: And look, Rakic
0: is good. Yeah. He's a solid fighter and uh He's got a fight coming up though,
1: right? Yes, he does. De- isn't it uh uh Is it Derek? Is it Derek?
0: Uh it was Blas- Is it was Lehovic. Oh, Lehovic. that's right. Yeah, Belovich. So, that right there, that fight's going to it's going to say everything about where he's at. Um he's good and he, he's just a solid solid fighter, but you can take a look and say, you know, how would he match up against glover teshera? match up very well. you know, he's 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 not as good on the ground as glover and there's nobody in and this is, you know, like Josh was talking about earlier with, you know, paul craig. glover is not a guy that fights well off his back either. that's not his game. but man, you talk about a stud jiu-jitsu guy in the top position and super freaking heavy and just unbelievably good at applying pressure. that's the guy and so could you know could rack beat glover yeah he could he's got the stand-up he could do it he could pick him apart on the feet keep himself in the standing position and get a win no doubt about it if he ends up on the ground underneath him he's in trouble but he's right there with the guy that's the world champion in the ufc right now in the light heavyweight division same with yuri could he fight with yuri absolutely yuri's odd in how he does things and Rackick is more you know uh Oh, he's cleaner, crisper. That more comes from that European type style and everything. But he could, he could go with Yuri right now. He could go with any of them. He's that good. You now the real question is, how does he take on Blahovich? Does he fight Blahovich in a smart fashion, or does he try to make a point against Blahovich and try to get that knockout fast? That's really what I'm looking for in this fight because if he goes for the knockout fast, he's going to find that it's going to be a harder fight and it's going to take a lot longer. If he just technically tries to pick him apart, he's got the skill set to do that.
1: Um, I think as soon as John Jones left the weight class, it really opened up for those top five, six fighters. No doubt. Because it really is anyone's match. Right. They're all styles make matchups and it made it really fun. Whatever happened to Dominic Reyes though? Where'd he go?
0: his last fight was against Yuri.
1: Yeah, but I mean like it was spinning a spinning elbow knockout. Great fight. Yeah, but it was a p- absolute amazing fight. Yeah, but fight. that was a,
0: that was a couple of fights in a row that he uh ended yeah. up on the bad side, you know, got his nose broken by Blahovich and losing the title, lost to Yuri by big knockout. He needs the time away. It's a good thing that he's he's taking that time.
1: Yeah, I but I to go back to racking, I think that him, I think Dominic Reyes, I think um you know, Anthony Smith is still in that mix. You know, you've yep. got some really good fighters that are in there. I mean, and Glover being at the top right now and blahovic being there. That whole mix-up right now, I think it's anyone's title, to be honest. Stylistically, each one matches up great with the other one. Someone's really good at one thing. Someone's not as good at the other. You know, like you're talking about with Glover. Great and great on the ground, great on the top position, good wrestling. Not great wrestling, but good enough to get people down dominant from the top position with heavy pressure. He's got good boxing though too. It's just he's slowed down a little bit at his age and he under, he under- also understands what he needs to do to be successful. Rakic yeah. is good with kicks, good with his long reach and his range, uses uses his uses his athleticism very well. But <laughs> <clears throat> him off of his back, I don't see him beating Glover. Him on him on, on the feet sticking and moving, I think he's got a good chance. Nope. Same thing with Reyes. Same thing with Bohovich. All of these guys, they all intermix very well. But I do think Rocket could be end up being champion. But that's what makes that division fun right now for me. You know, is that it, it's kind of anyone's title. And that that's fun to me. Yeah. Let's see. Next.
2: All right. Uh, Omari Gander asks, <clears throat> how do you think Islam versus Hamza will go? Is the size going to be a big difference? Or is Islam... Just that good, and we will be able to handle Hamzat. Maybe submitting him off his back in the middle of a scramble. We'd love to hear your thoughts. They're in well, different they're, weight classes. Yeah, but
1: Islam's talking about going to 170 after he wins the title, defends it two or three times. But Hamzat might actually be up at 185 by then if he beats Usman. You know, so there's a lot that needs to happen in between here. But if you want to play make believe, I'm down to play make believe. So I'll say make believe. I'm go ahead, call me a homer. Islam wins. <laughs> That's, uh, Homer. That's exactly how it's going to go. You're a Homer. Exa- no. Um, look, I'm going to be hundred percent honest. I I can't answer that question. You want to know why I haven't seen enough of Chamayev. I haven't seen how good he is in the grappling. I've seen his wrestling, but I haven't seen how good he is in the grappling. I haven't seen his wrestling that he's needed to struggle to get takedowns and his stand up looks good. I think that's where Islam would probably have a harder time with him, but in the wrestling and in the submissions, I'm going to, from what I've seen from Chemaev, I will lean towards Islam. On the stand-up, I'm gonna to lean towards Chamaev because of a little bit more of the length and the reach. I think the power as well. Islam doesn't get enough credit for his stand-up, but because of the one lo- the one loss he has by knockout, people continue to go back saying he can be knocked out. Well, anyone can be knocked out. Anybody. So anybody can be knocked out. Yeah. And and to say that he's the same fighter is not is, is you can't say that. He's not the same fighter. He's not anywhere near what he used to be when that happened. And that was so long ago. And so, um, but to answer the 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 question truthfully, I haven't seen enough of Chamayev yet to really say. I've seen enough of Islam, but I haven't seen enough of Chamayev to say who would win. <clears throat> I would look at that and wrestling
0: wise, they cancel each other out. They really do. Both of them are really good. And I'm just being honest. I think <laughs> submission game wise. I think Islam's the better submission fighter. I think off of his back, I've never, yeah, you know, I can't, I've never seen Chumayev on his back. I've mm. seen Islam for half a second on his back. You know, he's never on his back much either, but I, I know in talking with people from AKA, talking with you, how good he is off of his back and that he's very comfortable there and beautiful sweeps and things like that. the The big difference in that fight, size for one, Islam's big. Chamayev is big, yeah. Okay, and the length of Chamayev will give him problems. And I, I will just tell you, look, I've, I've watched a lot of Chamayev in the past. His striking is good. It's clean. It's sharp. He throws, he throws shots to set up the shot, and he sucks his opponents in. And Islam would be have to be very careful of being in a stand-up battle with Chamayev. He would. I believe he would be better off closing that distance, getting into a wrestling, grinding out who's going to tire out first attempt, than he would be in trying to be in that range uh, in the stand-up which mile. So,
2: but it would be an interesting fight. It'd be great. Next, next question from Ricardred seventeen. What was the scariest knockout both John and Josh can remember in the history of MMA? Scary meaning you were worried uh, for the well-being of the fighter, what that was knocked out uh,
1: it's not one that anyone's ever seen <clears throat> it was the one that we saw in the gym <laughs> and and uh it was trevor prangley versus nate moore nate moore wrestled at university of purdue trevor came over from south africa wrestled at north Idaho college and then started fighting shortly after that i uh, wrestled at missouri valley also with uh bobby lashley and so um that, that was a knockout. They were in the mix. Trevor was getting ready, I think, for Jeremy Horn at the time. And they came out of a scramble, and Trevor threw a head kick, and Nate turned right into the wrong way. And I saw Nate go stiff, go between the ropes, kind of halfway in, halfway out of the ring. That was probably the, one of the, the scariest ones I've ever seen because I, I had never been so close to someone outside of my own knockouts, been so close to someone, and seen them go stiff. And I was like, oh, shit, this is not – and with shin guards on. This wasn't with – this wasn't bone to the dome kind of thing. It was, this yeah shin guards on, headgear on, kind of a half of a glove got in there, but he turned his head right into it, and Trevor threw the head kick, and it was it was lights out. He it dipped. It wasn't just like he turned. He turned and kind of leaned forward into it with his. It was nasty, John. It was nasty. I believe it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get asked all the time about look. Like, I've seen thousands of knockouts. Okay, I've been in the ring with over probably over a thousand. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that you kind of get used to to a point, and you because you pick up certain things off of what the fighter does that's being hit, and you you notice how their reactions, and that's going to tell you what you're going to do. the The first knockout that scared the hell out of me was Tank Abbott long ago at UFC six against a guy named John mm-hmm. Matua, and you watched yes. him posture. You know, and, and Tank had no mercy. He was going after him no matter what. And but he was posturing. And when I say posturing, his arms were up and stiff. And I call this, that the
1: dying cockroach.
2: Yeah, it's it's I'm a scary a it's a scary yeah.
0: position. the The hardest hit and the the most worried I was about somebody was still. It wasn't a knockout. It was the knee thrown by Michael Venom Page against oh. Santos Evangelista Santos in london where it sounded you could hear it hit and and i thought it was i thought it snapped his nose that was the sound that you know it was so loud it was like if you you know if you ever went to you know professional baseball game and you watch batting practice and you watch guys cracking them out of the park that's the same sound that that knee landing on santos's skull made and and it's you know. He went down, and he was actually kicking his feet, so I knew that, you know, he wasn't out. And I stopped the fight, and as I turned him over, I see that his head is dented. His forehead is. And when you, you know, in fighting, you see lumps. You see bumps. That's a norm. You do not see indentations. You don't see deformations. You don't see dents. And I saw a dent there, and it was because his skull broke. His sinus cavity collapsed and uh man, it was a nasty shot that he took. And so that's the scariest one that there
1: was. Batting practice. Oh, I, I dude. I've been to a couple opening days and that was we got there early to watch batting practice and you just hear the crack. crack. The, wooden, the wooden bat on the hardball just cracked. That's the
0: exact crack. sound it was. The loudest it was the loudest blow I've heard in in the thousands upon thousands of fights that i've been at
1: it's crazy to think about how many fights you've you've been in the cage for <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is nuts. people have no
0: idea it's nuts. Like,
2: you know, uh all no, that goes good with good thing you know, how many ufc
0: fights it's like you know a lot and on top of that a whole lot more but yeah. dave make sure you post all that great. picture yeah please
1: Oof, that's nasty Oof. that's Oof. a nasty indentation Oh, and then and then you have the X-ray right next to it, so you can see exactly how uh-huh. it all broke. That's nuts.
2: <clears throat> oh, um. oh. Next, come on. All right, and next question uh, from Run, run- McCheeks seventeen seventy five. Question for John, <laughs>
1: run- Day- McCheeks. I like that. <laughs> uh,
2: run them cheeks. Run right? them, cheeks. them cheeks. Yes. Uh, question for John: Is there a skill that people may not think is important to being an MMA referee, which actually is? Hashtag though
0: There's a lot of skills that are important to be in. being,
2: being an MMA
0: referee is not what people think, not at all. And to go in and it's funny. What's funny is sometimes old, uh, watching fighters that are actually currently fighting go and, and in small shows they'll referee, and after they get done, they go, I ain't never doing that shit again. That's fucking stressful. That was fucking horrible. It's just not what you think it is. And there's there's a responsibility that goes with it. There's you no matter what, you are responsible because if something goes wrong, you're the person that was supposed to make sure that it didn't happen. You're and when we talk about responsibility, this is the the fans out there that are watching, they're always going to be in that position. Oh, you should have stopped it. Oh, you should have let it go longer. You have no implications, no repercussions with making those statements. But as the person inside, you do, because if you don't call it in time and the person, that fighter, does get seriously hurt, you're the one responsible. And if they don't make it out, you're the one responsible. And you're the one that has to live with it. The fans don't have to live with it. You do. And if you think that uh, – what what cracks me up about fans at times is they think that referees are flippant about what they're doing. They're not. They take it unbelievably seriously because it's a serious fucking job. And it's a, there's a whole lot going on, and it's a whole lot faster than you ever thought. And if you were in there, and I just put you in there and just said, just move with me, you would see nothing. <laughs> You're not going to see hardly anything. And it's because – Things are going too fast and you have to understand how to slow things down. So if I was going to say, what's the greatest skill you could have? You know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, command presence and things like that. I don't think so. I think the ability to be calm, the ability to slow things down, no different than a quarterback in the NFL. Tom Brady was successful, not because he's the best athlete. It's because he was able to slow the game down. And you need to have things in place with what we call mechanics that will help slow the fight down, so you can see the things that you need to see and react to them the way you need to react to them, you know when you do see it. So, being calm.
1: Yeah, when you because we work we work with Bellator, but I mean, I I've seen Herzog in the back warming up. I've seen Beltran in the back stretching, getting some warm ups in. They literally are back there, like you said, taking it serious understanding they have to be light on their toes, understanding they have to make sure they're always in the right position by circling around as fast as they possibly can, but without missing something. Still keeping their eyes on what's going on without just looking to see where they're stepping. Sometimes like you know back in the day, <laughs> like it's funny I brought this up to you one time and you you were you were, you had commented about it saying that yeah, we had to settle his feet a little bit but Jason Herzog.
0: Yeah.
1: He, I used to think sometimes when he first started refing, like this guy, am I fighting two people? Because he was moving around so much, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, but it was funny. And now he's one of the best referees in the game. I think you know no he's doubt. right up there. Um, and so I look at him. He was also one of the easiest guys in the cage to talk to. He would have a very calm feature about him. Like, hey, you just understand. You know, he has a little habit he does with his gloves. You know, and so he does that. I remember that being in a couple of my fights and just having these conversations with him when I got needing the growing or whatever it was he got poked in the eyes. Okay, look, you got some time, but he was always fidgeting with his gloves. Let me see. Are you okay? Let me bring the doctor in. He did a lot of good things, you know, yeah. and um but it was the settling of the feet in terms of being calm like you talked about, learning how not to bounce around so much so the fi- other one fighter doesn't feel like he's fighting two people. You know, cuz I do remember one time I was like, man, this guy's always right in my peripheral and he's bouncing around so much that I feel like it's I'm bothering two me. people. It was yeah. bothering me. Yeah. <clears throat> um but it was, but like you said, being calm is definitely one knowledge. I think is the biggest thing in understanding. I know that's not a skill set, but it's something that you got to really develop because the more you know, the more calm you'll be. And 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 in fighters, we all sit back and go, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing." No, 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 we don't know, John. I, and I admit this from this from the moment I met you. I admitted this. I have no fucking rule. I have no idea what the rules are in MMA. At least when you think you do, like, but you don't. There's so many little things that we don't know, little tiny things that we don't know that we don't realize. We just overlook because it doesn't happen very often. But there's tons right. of little rules in there that John and I have talked about in circumstances. Gonna, I was working cage side with you calling the fights. Um, you know, that came up. And we're like, oh, well, what's this? What's that? And we would have discussions about it before, after the fight, or, you know, during, you know, on air. There's a lot. There's a lot, and it definitely is not a job to be taken lightly because how many of those judges, or those not judges, but referees in boxing matches that they've lost somebody, a fighter that's died because they've taken too much damage? Right. What do you think they're going through in life? Realizing and understanding, like, I could have stopped that. I could have saved him. I could have done whatever it was, you know, and that guy could still be alive, or that female, or that guy could ever still be alive. That's important. And so for the rest, for the for the fighters that are thinking about jumping in and being refs it's not an easy job I mean, i think frank Trick will tell you guys that right i mean frank will admit it he's admitted to to me saying like yeah it was a process man it was a long time so yeah. you know put up a lot taken serious one of the
0: what <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the things that you know you people don't think about but it's all the things that can happen and you've seen how many weird things have you seen in fights you've seen a lot well, you've got to think about those things beforehand. you got to work out, okay, if this happens, what what do I do? What should I do? What's going to be the right call? What's going to be the right thing to do? And if you have all those things in place, then like you said, that's a knowledge and it allows you to be calm. It allows you to just calm yourself down. and say, There's nothing that they can do that I, I haven't thought of. And that's hard to say, but you can kind of get there. Because there's all kinds of, you know, I get asked wacko questions all the time, and it's like, it's easy. Here's your answer. Because I thought about it long before. You know, that's the way to do it. Yeah,
1: but there's certain things that, like, you, I guess for fighters, like, we think about everything that could happen. But, like, if I'm a ref, right, I'm not thinking about, what happened to Corey Hill and Anderson Silva, like that would have thrown me off. Like what the fuck just happened? I would have probably been more shocked. Also too, when you look at Anderson Silva, when he did the upkick to Vitor, you're thinking I've, I have sure you've seen it in movies, but you don't see that in real fights. Like that would have been something that would have caught someone off guard. I mean, Anderson was a gentleman; that didn't really follow up. You know, fight was pretty much it was done. Oh no, no, kind of he sense. followed up. Yeah, but it wasn't like. But you oh, know, no. what I mean? like Mario, this, he, Mario let him get fucking thumped up. <laughs> yeah, he, he but totally in but up. in those scenarios, the referee, yeah, because he the referee in almost didn't expect it to be that way. That you know that up kick was something that everyone, none of us had ever seen before you know, outside of movies. So there's like c- scenarios. If you're a ref, you, I'm sure you've thought of them, but you never really, they never, you played them out in your mind, but maybe not in that, in the fashion in which it happened or how fast it happened. That's the other thing. No, you're
0: never, you, you can never, you know, come up with, oh, it'll be in, in this circumstances and everything, but you go with, someone goes down in this fashion because it doesn't matter how they go down from that kick, that kick, you go, whoa. Yeah. Just like everyone else. You just don't make the sound. It was funny because every time that I'd referee, people would go, you know, you're so emotionless. And inside, you know, I'm going, holy fuck, was that awesome? You know, (laughs) but I'm not there to be the fan. I'm there to do a job. And so I try to do the job that way. But, you know, you get you get pumped up. You get excited just like everyone
1: else. Man, you're not that you're not that referee in boxing, the one with the the guy who just the Steve Willis
0: remember? Yeah. Oh I, see. I said his name oh, I screwed up. No, it's all right. <laughs> he's a good man. Yes, uh, he, he, he's, he's definitely awesome. got the eyes too. Ooh, he, yeah, he looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He gets, he's
1: Oh uh, I mean,
2: he, like he wants to jump in, doesn't want to jump in, eyes big, oh, eyes yeah. small. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah yep. That's
1: oh, yeah.
2: awesome. Next. all right let's wrap up on this one from yaz people always talk about how khabib and islam feel so different to other fighters but in today's modern world where you can see everything why do you think the western fighters still can't replicate the same sort of game
1: it has nothing to do with not being
2: able to replicate it what it
1: is it is generations of them drilling technique look people make so much of him wrestling a bear but the bottom line is, is that at that age, at five years old or whatever, wrestling a bear was, it was it was more like, hey, let's just have some fun. But then taking that into the, into the wrestling room, if you looked at him at that age, you look at the, you look at American kids or other kids from other countries, they're not wrestling bears. They're not living that lifestyle. They're not, they're not they're doing sambo. <laughs> they're not doing sambo at, you know, at four or five years old. You know, and some of the kids here—sure, they're doing wrestling, but are they doing it at the level in which they're doing it? Every, once in the morning, once in the evening, are they doing it? How often are they training it? The other thing as well is when they get older, that lifestyle. There's no major, you know, major. I guess, I think I want to. I can't. I want to speak generally over it all, but their lifestyle is here, no I'll drugs, no I'll booze. Say
0: I'll say it for you, real easy. Yeah. When they become that professional fighter. They live a life like a professional fighter should. They don't do drugs. They don't do alcohol. They train all the time with the same people consistently. When they're not training in MMA, they're out doing another type of, you know, entertainment sport like soccer or slam basketball or whatever you want to call it. They live the life that they should to be the very best they can be. They don't do the things that can take and drop you down that little bit. That's a big difference.
1: It's huge. You know, even even when they're not doing those things, they're riding horses, they're riding mountain bikes, they're riding dirt bikes. They're out on, you know, they're outside fishing. They're out swimming in the lakes. They're out taking, doing the sauna, then jumping in cold rivers. They're all do, they're just doing things to their body to, that trains their body to be athletic, whatever it is. <clears throat> there is, I don't, I look at it like in so many different ways. Young kids that play baseball, basketball, tennis, golf, they do everything, right? A little bit of everything. That's how you develop your athleticism. Because when you're a kid, that's what you do. You do everything you possibly can, stickball. That's how you develop your athleticism. As you start getting older, you start picking the sport that you really wanna excel at and you get good at that. Well, with them, They do all of that, but then they really have already had their sport picked out from the beginning, at least with Islam and with Khabib. It was Sambo, but they played soccer. They played their slam ball, whatever you want to call it, you know, with basketball, which is with takedowns and grappling and messing around and body slams and everything else. But they're active. They're always active outside there. You see it now, even at the age that they're at now, they're still out there. I see Islam always riding dirt bikes always mountain biking, always running in the hills. They're always doing some some sort of activity. You know, um, a lot of the cult, other cultures, it's very <clears throat> go to school, come home, do your homework, maybe go do one soccer practice or one wrestling practice, or and then you go about your day. You know, from what I gather from from them, it was like training in the morning, do your school, come back you know even at school their their sports and physical activity were were pretty intense whether it was weightlifting whether it was soccer or baseball or whatever it was then going home and then going back to doing your sambo in the evening and they would be there for hours now the level in which i think i see it in my gyms now is that the level is that the kids come in they do their hour and a half or hour hour and a half and then they go home but then the intensity is not what it is i think it's some of it at the level that they're doing it there. I just don't think it is, and then they've been doing it for such a long time that as they got to that level in terms of their age, John, you said they're living they're living that lifestyle, and it's not even so much that they're professional athletes; it's just their culture. Being a Muslim, they don't drink, they don't do drugs, they don't they're not out partying, they're not chasing they're they're not chasing women. You know, like they're doing maybe every the now. Things- and then. <laughs> But they're they're doing the things that they want. They're doing the things that are shaped towards their life goal, you know. Um, outside of maybe just like t- to when Khabib would talk, it was his like one of his biggest heels was he liked Coke, like you know he used to drink a lot of soda. But when he wasn't in a fight camp, he was all about the soda, you know. And I used to give him a hard time about that. But I have a soda tooth also, as you know. But it's that, but that that was like their heel. Like when you look at other. Fighters, they're out drinking, they're out at the clubs, or they're out partying, or they're out every weekend doing whatever when it's not fight time. And so that continuously brings them back a little bit, whereas them, they're always progressively getting better, or, you know, and getting better in whatever areas they feel like they need to work on. <clears throat> if you hang out with them in a day here, they'll go run in the morning, they'll come home, then they'll eat, and then they'll go train, then they'll come back, and then they'll eat, and they'll rest a little bit, and then they'll go to the park. And, you know, those like little workout areas that they have at certain parks that have a pull-up bar and like a, a wooden sit-up bench. They will like one person will run and they'll do their exercise. Everyone will do exercises while that one person runs. That one person will run one lap and then the re- that guy will jump back into the rotation and doing the exercises while another person runs. And they'll do that until all six or seven of them basically have gone through it. And maybe they'll do it two or three times so everyone gets a mile in. You know, I mean, however many laps, four times, whatever. So those keep doing that until everyone gets a mile in. It's like, and it's, it's it's not at a super fast pace. I don't know if they're crushing it. They're not, they're just out there having fun. They look at it as like, it's just part of their day. And when you start shaping your career around that, it makes a big difference on that. Not every day needs to be a hard day. It's just look, I'm going through the motion. This is my routine. I get up, I do a little lifting, I do a little bit of running, you know, I stretch it a little bit, you know, and they have it down. And that's why. I think that's why they're a lot better than a lot of the other fighters. No. Nope. Is that it, Dave?
2: Yep. yep, that's right. All right go to
1: waneampodcast.com, pick up some of our merch. We've got the old logos, we've got hoodies, we've got sweatshirts. We've got regular shirts, we've got long sleeve shirts. Summer's coming. You know, we've also got coffee mugs. I think we put a couple other things up there, but we also got our new shirts that are up there, the hashtag and steel, which Dave designed. Very nicely done. And of course, the hindsight is 50 50 because that is a Joshism and everyone loves Joshisms. They're a little out of control, I mean, but you know, they happen so frequently. I don't know if we can keep up. Have to have Dave keep making a bunch of different shirts. But hindsight is 50-50, so make sure you guys pick one up while you guys can. John, take us away, buddy. Everyone out there, hope
0: you uh, enjoy your weekend. I know there's not a lot of fights, but that's okay. Spend it with someone you care about. Do something nice for someone, and we will see you.